God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. His goodness is running after us. God has good things in store for your life. You've heard these things. You've even said these things. But do you really believe these things? Hello, friends, and welcome to From the Pulpit, a series of podcasts based on the Sunday morning sermons at Liberty Church. My name's Pastor Matthew, and I'm so glad you decided to join us for this episode of From the Pulpit. I was reading Psalm 23 this week. You know that familiar psalm that you memorized as a kid in Sunday school? Or that you've heard at just about every Christian funeral? It's so familiar to us that we often overlook it. We just reserve it for those couple of occasions But I really think it's a psalm that we should read regularly and that we should read through new covenant glasses, that we should see through a new covenant lens. Because David looked ahead to the fulfillment of this psalm, but we live in the fulfillment of this psalm. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, Jesus said that he's the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And Jesus did indeed do that. He died in our place. He suffered in our place. He paid our debt. He was the propitiation. For our sins. I mean, that's a fancy word, but all it means is satisfaction. Jesus was the satisfaction for our sins. What did he satisfy? God's wrath. God is good and just to pour out wrath against sin, but he is merciful and gracious and he loves his creatures. He loves human beings. You know, the the part of his creation that he called very good the part of his creation that he created in his image. God loves people and wanting none to perish. He sent his son that whoever would believe in him and accept his finished work, his satisfying work on their behalf would be saved and and rescued from God's wrath and in eternity in hell. David looked forward to that day. We live in that day when Jesus is our good shepherd who gave his life 
for us. Psalm 23 is a great psalm. It applies to so many areas of our lives, particularly the final verse. David said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is an everyday psalm. Because in it, David, the writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds his audience that goodness and mercy, God's goodness and God's mercy, will follow us every day of our lives. Every day that we wake up and draw breath, God's goodness and his mercy is following us around. Remember back in the late 90s, early 2000s, whenever you went to church, you heard that phrase, God is good, and people responded all the time, and then maybe the song leader or the pastor said, and all the time, and people replied, God is good. You see, the amazing thing about that statement is it's so true, but we've made it so often and it's become so familiar to us that we, we almost resent it. We laugh at it. We slough it off and go, oh yeah, that's just another one of those Christian cliches. And yeah, maybe saying it that way with that inflection is a little cliche, but... Man, God's goodness and him being good all the time is something that we should celebrate, something that should make us excited. But of course, the enemy loves to deceive us and get us off message and get us... Uh, focused on something else and basically everything and anything else than God and his word. And so because that phrase has become familiar to us, we, we don't say it, and what we don't say, we don't believe. If you don't say those things, you're not going to believe those things. If you don't say God is good, you're not going to believe he's good. If you don't say Jesus loves you, you're not going to believe he loves you. If you don't say that you're forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, you're not going to believe that you're forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. What you say has power. Not in the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, prosperity gospel way, but in the sense that you will only believe what you confess. I heard this phrase a couple of months ago, if you believe wrong, you'll never live strong. How many Christians believe wrong because they don't confess anything? They don't say anything. They don't read God's word. They don't know what God says about them. And they don't say what God says about them. And so they don't believe what God says about them. And they live weak. 
They don't live strong because they believe wrong. I want you to know today that God is good and you better believe it. God is good. He's good all the time. He can't be anything but good. David said, surely goodness and mercy, God's goodness and God's mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's a cool idea. God's goodness and mercy following you around, running after you, chasing you. God's goodness is tracking you down because God is good. By his very nature, he is good and his goodness looks for us. His goodness follows us. His goodness finds us. I'm reminded of those three parables of Jesus. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. You're probably familiar with them, but let me remind you real quick, the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, he leaves the 99 sheep that are safe in the fold to go out and look for and rescue and bring back the one that was lost because Jesus isn't willing that any should perish. You know, that's a good shepherd that would leave the 99 to go search for the one that was lost. What about the woman that had a few coins and lost one of them? Jesus said she swept the whole house and didn't stop searching until she found the coin she had lost. And you know that story about the lost son, the prodigal son who took his inheritance early, left his father's house, went to a far-off country, blew his inheritance on wine and women. And when his money was gone, his friends left him, and he was destitute in a pig pen, unable to even eat the food that the farmer would feed the pigs. So he rehearsed his speech, right? I'm going to go to my father's house and I'm going to say to him this. And he'll have to accept me as a servant. I took my inheritance, right? So I'm not really a son anymore, but maybe he'll take me on as a servant. So the son got up and walked home. And the father saw him off in the distance and ran to him. And called to the servants and said, kill the fatted calf, get the best clothes, put a ring on his finger, for tonight we celebrate because my son that was lost is now found. It's a good shepherd that would look for a lost sheep, a good person who would go through all the effort to find a lost coin and a good father that would forgive that kind of sin, that kind of insult. 
those parables, those stories, they demonstrate just how good God is. He's good all the time. It's his nature. It's what he's all about. David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. Again, it sounds like David's looking forward, looking ahead to the day when he will dwell. Now, he's confident of it. But it sounds like it hasn't happened yet. And of course it hasn't because Jesus hasn't come and made the way for us to enter in. David was going to have to get there after his death by law-keeping during his life. The amazing thing about the new covenant reality is that we don't have to wait till we die to enter into the house of God. When we take Jesus, we become children of God, members of his household, and we are in. Paul said in Ephesians that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're there spiritually. Our present location as believers is with God. Now the fullness of that is yet to be revealed to us. That's why Peter wrote to the elect exiles and he said, set your hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed to you at the coming of the Lord. We're going to get it all when Jesus returns. But we have the promise. We have the guarantee. We have the seal right now. Right now, presently, we are in the dwelling place of God. We are in the household of God. Peter goes on to say in that first letter, that we as believers are living stones and we're being built around Jesus, the chief cornerstone, to form a dwelling place for God. You see, God dwells with us and we dwell with him. He is in us. We're in him. It's this beautiful symbiosis. We're in him, he's in us. God dwells in us, we dwell in him. The spirit of Christ is housed in our new heart, our new nature, and we are housed, we dwell in the spirit. We walk in the spirit, we Abide in Christ, who is the vine. We are the branches. And so it's this beautiful imagery that we see all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the teachings of Jesus and his apostles, that, that we're in and God's in, and that we're together in that. David looked forward to that. We enjoy that right now. He says, I will dwell. But as believers under the new covenant, we say, I do dwell. 
I do dwell in the house of the Lord. And it's not temporary. I don't dwell one minute in the house of the Lord and the next minute I'm homeless. My behavior doesn't determine where I dwell. My decision does. Your behavior doesn't determine where you dwell. Your decision does. David made his decision, I will dwell. I've made my decision and I do dwell. My question to you today is, what's your decision? Have you made a decision? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to confess him? Have you decided to to believe what you confess? If you do, you'll be saved. That's what Paul said. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. At Liberty, we're always talking about how it's decision time. And so if you're under the sound of my voice, what's your decision? Have you decided? If you haven't decided, it's decision time. Decide today. Confess it and believe that confession. And if you do, the Bible says that Jesus will prepare a room for you in his Father's house. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to get a room ready for you so that you can dwell in my Father's house. But you got to know today that you're not getting into God's house unless you come in through his son. You're not getting in on your own. You're not getting in on your good behavior. Nothing. You're only getting in through his son. I said that before, right? David had to get in through law keeping. We get in through gospel believing. We get in through gospel believing. Will you believe that gospel? That that you were born a sinner? And that Jesus came to die in your place, to pay the wages for your sin, to suffer the punishment of God's wrath in your place. If you'll believe that and you'll confess that, then you can be saved and you can have a room in God's house but there's no other way to get in. You have to come through Jesus. Maybe you're listening to this podcast today and you've wandered from God's house. You're like a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. You thought you wanted to to be a son or a daughter of God and then you changed your mind but you realize there's nothing for you out there. I want to remind you today that though you left the house, you never stopped being a son. You never stopped being a daughter. And you can get up right now 
from wherever you are and go home. Stop rehearsing your speech. Nothing you could ever do is going to make you stop being a son or a daughter of God. Once you've taken Jesus, he's taken you. And when he takes you, he takes all of you. And he takes all of you forever. So nothing you've done has changed your status as a child of God. So get up and go home. And you'll find that as soon as you turn around, this is just how good God is, as soon as you turn around, he'll be right there. He'll be right there. And if you're listening to me today and you're in God's house, you've taken Jesus and he's taken you and and you're not a prodigal, you're home. I mean, you get it, you believe it. It's hard sometimes, but you know it. Can I encourage you today? If you're in God's house, if you're dwelling in the house of the Lord, if you're a part of the family of God, would you stop living like an orphan? You've been given the spirit of adoption. You're a son or a daughter of God. You're a brother or a sister of Christ. You're a co-heir with Christ to the inheritance. You're not an orphan. Stop living like an orphan. If you're in the household of God, stop living like a servant. That doesn't mean we don't serve. What I'm saying is, Stop living like you don't know what's up. Jesus said the servants of the house don't know what the master is doing, but the children do. And good kids serve their parents and pull their weight and work around the house and do what needs to be done. I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm saying stop living like a servant, like you don't know what time it is. Stop living like you don't know what's up. We're living in a day and age where the church needs to be the church. And the church needs to know what time it is. And the church needs to know what's up. And the church needs to act accordingly. So stop acting like you don't know what's going on. Get your head out of the sand. And look at the culture. Look at society. Look at the world and where it is. And live like a child of God. And of course, if you're in the household of God, stop living like a guest. Stop living like you're going to wear out your welcome. You're in. You're in. Stop living like you're out. Make yourself at home. Because you are. You're home. Friends, thanks for listening to this first episode of From the Pulpit. Really appreciate it. If you have a second, would you be so kind as to leave a five-star rating? That is if you liked the podcast. 
If you didn't like it, don't leave a rating at all. <laughs> but if you liked it, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Or share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, don't forget, just Jesus only. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. He will never fail you. Titus 2.13. Thank you.